I get to introduce, for the first time on this stage, um, this woman who loves to laugh. I don't know if you've hung out with Annie Weiss before, Pastor Annie, but she loves laughing. So if you like laughing, you should get together with her. It's very fun. Uh, so let me introduce Annie Weiss. Wow. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to be here tonight. Like I was asked to preach and I was like, yeah, yeah, that, that sounds pretty good. But inside I'm like, <sighs> like freaking out because, um, so I was asked a little bit later than normally. Um, but the night before I was asked, I had been, um, yeah, just reading and praying and like this verse jumped out at me and I was like, wow, that's a good verse. And then I was reading my Bible that I don't underline or highlight or nothing in. And so um, I was like, I have to underline this verse. And I was like, but it's the wrong Bible. Like, it's not the note-taking Bible. And um, I just couldn't not. And so I did. I underlined in my, like, don't underline in this Bible Bible. Um, which makes it sound like I have a lot, but it's just this specific one um, that I don't write in. And it just stood out to me, and I was like, someday that verse will preach. And then the next day it was like, hey, would you like to preach? And I was like, well, I know what God has to say. So uh, I'm excited to share it with you guys tonight. So excited. All right. um, So I have my manuscript here. I got my clock on the wall. And I am actually pretty notorious for not making it all the way to the end of the time. So it's kind of a new thing. We'll see um, if the anointing flows from the top down. And uh, (laughs) I can hit that time or go over. Okay, so just to introduce myself, um, because some of you might not know me, my name is Annie. Um, I spell it with an I-E, even though legally it's only with an E. And I know that that caused massive amounts of confusion. And if it confused you, that's I'm really sorry about that. Um, I'm from Northern Virginia, um, but I went to a Christian university in Missouri, so I'm kind of East Coast and kind of Midwest. Um, yeah, I kind of balance both, but I came to Korea to teach English, um, at the end of August, 2011. Um, and when I came, I didn't live in Seoul. I was actually asked by my recruiter, would you like to live in Seoul or just outside of Seoul? And I was like, oh, I don't really do cities. So I'll I'll go outside of Seoul. I love that some of you are laughing because you're like, wow, this doesn't sound like a smart idea to go outside of Seoul. (laughs) But so I lived in a small town outside of a small city outside of Seoul. Um, It's actually only about two and a half hours from here, but I was the only foreigner in my town. Um, It was called Dopyeongli. Anyone heard of it? Dopyeongli? Nope. (laughs) You guys are all like, (laughs) what kind of ending is Lee (laughs) on a a town? Um, Let me just say, it's it's pretty small. I loved it there, though. Um, I really did. It gave me an opportunity to fall in love with Korea, to fall in love with the Korean people, Korean culture, and um, just to be taken care of by people who don't really speak English. So I had to learn Korean. Um, It's not, like, perfect, but I had to learn because I was out there. So I do do enjoy um, 
Korean, and I love Korea, not just for the international community, but for the people and for the heart behind everything. So, um, yeah. But the lead English teacher at my Hogwan, which is an after-school academy, if people don't know, um, at my after-school academy, went to Hallelujah Church in Bundang, which is just south of Seoul. And so she was like, we can give you a ride. They have an English ministry. So I would come in, and that was my only, like, English interaction time ever during a week um, was my, like, two hours in English ministry. They dropped me off, like, Sunday school and picked me up at the end. And <laughs> this Korean, they were great. Only, only the lead English teacher spoke any English, and it was, it was still pretty broken. Um, but it was awesome. So being at Hallelujah Church, um, I met a lot of people who go to Torch Seminary, Torch Trinity, um, which is where the intern pastors um, at New Philadelphia, they go to Torch. And so I started classes in spring of 2012, and I met these two people. I met Pastor David and Pastor Emily, actually. And um, they were very nice, and I was like, oh, what church do you go to? And they're like, New Philadelphia. I was like, you're from Philadelphia? And (laughs) that whole conversation, uh, it was really interesting. But um, I met them, and then I met a few other um, New Philly people throughout uh, the past two years before I came to New Philadelphia Church um, at different youth events. At Hallelujah, I was serving with the youth, um, for about two years. And then on top of that, uh, I worked as a children's pastor with the, um, children's ministry there. Um, but at the end of last year, in about August or in October, God really just started moving me and showing me, Hey, I have something new for you. And I was holding on to what I had. And I was like, no, I, I love this. And God really just opened a lot of doors for me. Um, he showed me everything I needed to do. He opened up the opportunities and he, he even urged my pastor to bless me to go. And so um, I had talked to Pastor Christian. He had recommended that I apply for the intern pastor program, which is what I'm in now. Um, and that's how I'm up here. <laughs> um, yeah, so I applied for that and I received it. So I started coming here actually just in January. And even though it's only been about six months, part of me feels like I've been here forever because you guys are such a great family. And part of me feels like I just showed up because I still don't know a lot. And I'm really sorry if I don't get your name. It's not because I don't care. It's because I met 300 people in the matter of two months. So, um, yeah. But coming to New Philly, I've learned a lot of different lessons um, already. And I'm shocked and amazed at some of the things that God has been working out in my heart. And one of the most important lessons that I learned, uh, I really want to share with you guys tonight. Um, But first, let's pray. So bow your heads with me. Yeah, Father God, we just thank you um, for the gift of your word. Um, We pray that it goes out right now and that you move hearts with power, God. Um, Reveal to each person who's listening, God, your truth and your love. Uh, Let my words flow from the depths of your heart, Father. We love you, Father. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so um, I'm going to preach from Genesis. Um, So I told you earlier in this week I was reading in my Bible. I decided I was going to try to read through during the summer. And uh, this is as far as I got on uh, one night earlier this week. Um, but, you know, you start in Genesis and because you're going to, you know, read through. So you're going to start at the beginning, right? So I started in Genesis and I was like, oh, chapter one. Yep. Creation account. I know that. Next one. Yep. Creation account kind of redone. Teaching us more things. It's great. And then it's like, oh, there's the fall. And it's like, well, that didn't last very long. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's good. Um, 
And so then I hit chapter four and I was kind of just breezing through it. I was like, all right. And so then, you know, Eve has Cain. He's not so good. And then has Abel. He's about to die. Um, You know, okay, they bring the sacrifice. And then here's the part where Cain kills Abel. And I'm just like going through it. And as I did, like, this is the verse that caught my attention. Um, So if you want to read with me, Genesis chapter four, um, verses six and seven. Genesis chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It says, The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Yeah, I read that, and I was like, oh, snap. Like, I always kind of was like, all right, they're born, they give the sacrifice. Cain doesn't like it, he goes and kills his brother. And I kind of just kept going, but God stopped me. And he's like, I didn't just leave Cain. I didn't just say, oh, Cain's sacrifice is bad. He must be purely evil. No, God was like, I gave him a chance. God was like, I cared about him. He was also my son. He's also someone that I looked after and someone that I wanted to be with. And so I want to talk to you guys tonight about the chance that God gave to Cain. Um, Yeah, so verses 6 and 7 tell the quick conversation that God had with Cain after the sacrifice was not pleasing. God starts off by asking, why are you angry and why is your face fallen? Even though Cain hadn't brought a pleasing sacrifice, he hadn't brought the first fruits. He hadn't brought the best that he was supposed to bring. But even though he hadn't brought it, God still cared about him. God's still asking him, Why are you angry? Why are you sad? Being accepted starts with God accepting you. This is what I'm going to kind of bring us to today. um, Is that being accepted starts with God accepting you. God cared for him even though his sacrifice was unpleasing. Also, if you look, Cain was angry and sad. Um, A lot of the times we hear this passage and we do think, you know, Cain's just evil. But but that's not true. He did bring a sacrifice. He did try. He did try to step out and honor God. His acceptance, um, he wasn't accepted. uh, His sacrifice wasn't accepted because it wasn't the best. It's not because it was fruit instead of meat. That doesn't really have anything to do with it. Um, The problem is, it wasn't the best of what Cain could bring. It wasn't the first. Um, But that didn't stop God from still pursuing him, from still showing him, hey, you messed up this time, but I know that you can do better. I know that there's more. I know that you can bring this out. Um, His acceptance from God wasn't contingent upon whether his sacrifice was pleasing to God. He was already accepted. Now, this kind of um, gets confusing, but it's not the bad sacrifice that turned God away from Cain. Um, God turned away from the sacrifice, right? Um, and that's kind of how it is for us. Sometimes we come to God and we're like, God, you're going to love me as soon as I do this, or as soon as I achieve this, as soon as I make this, and as soon as I do something that's worthy of you loving me. But that's not it. Um, I want to tell you guys this story, and I hope I don't embarrass Pastor Marcus with it. Uh, (laughs) But he comes out really well in it. So a few weeks ago, I was in the office. A few weeks ago, I was in the office, um, 
And I do a lot of short-term assignments because as an intern pastor, we're in and out with school, um, with other things. So I, we get more like short-term assignments, come back and get something else. We have a few long-term things, but this was right before retreat. And I'd finished all the short-term things that I had to get done. And so um, Pastor Marcus was working on something over on the other side. So I went over and I was sort of standing there, like waiting to get an assignment. And he looked at me and goes, what are you standing there for? And I was like, oh, nothing. It's okay. And I just went back. And I didn't ask for anything. And um, So I went and I sat down. And I was like thinking about different things to do. And I guess I looked like really, really sad, like more sad than I actually felt. Um, but, but he came over to me. Um, and he was like, you don't have to be upset about this. If I had something to give you, I would. Um, and then this is something he said to me that really, really struck my heart. Um, and he said, Annie, it's okay for you to sit here even if you aren't helping anyone. No one's thinking, why is Annie sitting there taking up space and breathing my oxygen? <laughs> no one is saying that. He told me, and catch this right now, you are fulfilling your purpose just by being here. He said that to me. You are fulfilling your purpose just by being here. I, I don't think he knew that I paid that much attention when he was talking. But he was reflecting what God is saying to us. God is pleased with us not because of something that we're going to do for him or the potential that we have for him. God is pleased because we're there. God is pleased because we exist, you know? Um, Yeah, so even when we offer our imperfect or our broken sacrifices to God, he still accepts us. He still loves us. He still wants to be with us. That should sound familiar. Pastor Aaron preached on that a few weeks ago about the power of connection. She told us what God is saying to all of us. Um, God is looking at us and saying, I see you. I hear you. I want to be with you. All that we've done to have this is simply exist, is simply being made in his image. And then, you know, we had the fall. So our image got damaged. We got a little bit messed up. But because God still wanted us, he continued, and he, shined, he shone his light into us. He brought us light so that we could come back to this state of perfection, of him wanting to cherish us, wanting to love us more, wanting to be with us. You know, God reached out. He loved us, he cares for us, and he wants to be there for us. Um, so in the next verse, God, or yeah, in the next verse, God continues and says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you look at the footnote in the ESV, which is the translation we typically use, um, here at New Philly, or else I probably wouldn't talk about it. Um, it gives us the more literal translation. It says, will there not be a lifting up of your face? I don't want to get too technical into it. Um, but this is the contrast that's being given when it's talking about how God, or how Cain is sad, right? It says, your face has fallen. Why has your face fallen? But now God is telling him how to have his head lifted up. God is looking at it and he says, this is where you are. This is where I'm trying to bring you. This is where I'm trying to take you, okay? God is not saying, that's right, your face should be fallen. That's right, you messed up. Like, no. By no means would God say that. God says, I see you where you are and I want to bring you out of it. That's what he's saying to us, right? So um, when God shows him what he has to do, he says, you need to do well. If Cain can do what God has given him to do, he will know his acceptance. He will know that God isn't looking for 
the perfect sacrifice in order to be made worthy, but instead the perfect sacrifice comes out of knowing who he is, knowing that he is accepted, and stepping into that and living that out, right? Um, Sometimes we feel like we have to fight for approval, but God wants to show that his love has already been poured out into us. He is already accepting us. Um, So one thing that was really shocking to me is on Wednesday, it was posted up on Facebook that I would be preaching tonight. And um, it kind of just went wild for me. I was like, wow, it's serious. Like, it's been announced. They're probably not going to pull it back at this point. They are going to trust that it's happening. I don't know when to take a break for water, so give me a second. Thanks for laughing at me, Westfall. I really appreciated that. <laughs> all right. So Wednesday. For me, I was like, all right, it's up. It's out there. What are people, like, thinking? Are people like, oh, she hasn't been here long enough? Like, what's, what's going on? I was kind of, like, kind of shocked that it was just, like, announced. Um, and so I was kind of nervous. Um, but Bernadette posted on my wall that she was excited for Friday night. And I have to tell you guys what I honestly thought. I honestly thought this. She has no idea what I'm preparing. She doesn't know what's planned. She doesn't know if I have preaching skills or not. She doesn't know my style. She doesn't know anything about it. But she's still excited. I was blown away. I was just shocked. And, like, Sharon's liking it. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. (laughs) Like, people are actually looking forward to this, even though... Even though I hadn't yet done anything worth anyone being excited about me coming up and grabbing a microphone and preaching. I think almost no one here has ever heard me preach before. Um, But I was already accepted, already loved. And at the office, everyone's been so encouraging. They're like, I'm so excited to hear you preach on Friday. And I'm like, and I actually flat out asked, why are you excited? Because I was so confused. I was so confused. Like, you've never really heard me. I'm never really in front of people. I enjoy being in the video booth in the back where we are nicely soundproofed. I really enjoy getting to laugh at everything. I love it. But now I'm going to step out and do this because God has prepared it for me and I'm I'm just going to go, right? Um, Without there being a set reason, a definitive reason on why, people were excited for me to come up here tonight. Just because I was chosen for this opportunity to speak, it was enough to justify that excitement. But that's how God is with us, right? Not because of what we're capable of doing, but he he knows what we can do. He knows what we will do. But it's not because of that that he's pleased with us. He's pleased with us because he's chosen to make us, because he's chosen for us to exist. God desires to cherish and love us. Because you're his child... Because you're his son and you're his daughter, he's excited to have you. He's excited for the things that you're going to do, even if you're going to mess up here and there, even if you're going to say the wrong thing, you're going to do something that might not be exactly on the mark. He's excited because you're stepping out, because he knows what he's prepared in advance for you. He's excited for you and the things that you're going to do. Um, Let's continue through this passage. Um, Verse 7. All right, verse 7 continues with a warning for Cain. It says, If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. 
kind of got me. I was like, evil is literally crouching down, ready to spring out and grab you and make you choose to serve it instead. So I'm like, okay, what does it mean for something to be like crouching down? So this is what I was thinking. Is this, is, this is what I'm imagining is how it looks. It's literally like waiting for you. It's like getting ready to, grow, to go. It's like the sprinters on the mark. You know, they don't, they don't just stand up and they're like, oh, I'm going to sprint now. Like, <laughs> you're going to be last if you do that. Like, you're never like, going to make it. But evil is right there. It is always at attention. It is always like, all right, what are you doing? All right, what are you going to do? I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. Like, evil is right there waiting for you, waiting for you to make certain mistakes or waiting for you to, like, stumble or step out into places where maybe you shouldn't be. Evil is literally right there desiring for you, wanting to get you. And I was like, wow, why? Like, that, that really scares me. Why is evil so close and wanting me so much? Um, and so as I thought about it, I got to this conclusion on here's why. It's because you're accepted and loved by God. You are accepted and loved by God. And that's why the enemy does not like you. That's why he wants to take you. You see, he used to be that one. He used to be the one that was accepted, the one that was loved, the one that was there, able to like worship at, at the feet of God just fully, you know, in the presence of God. Um, but because of the things that he did, um, because, um, which we hear from different sources, but because he rebelled against God and he chose his evil path, he got fully separated from God. And he wants to take people with him. He's even more mad at us because, you know, angels aren't made in the image of God. In the creation story, the Bible says, Um, that God created man in his own image. God put his stamp on us. He didn't put his stamp on the angels. He didn't put his stamp on any other creature. He said, this is the ultimate creature that I'm creating, and I'm going to make it in my own image, and I'm going to care for it and love it. And Satan is not happy about that, right? Okay. I think I've hit that. I know it's really scary to think, like, that... There's evil right there, and it really does want us. It really does want to take us away. Um, And God is so gracious. He warns us. He says, hey, I love you, my chosen one, my desired one. I love you. i got to warn you, though. Someone else wants you, and he doesn't have good for you. He isn't preparing good things for you. It's a path of destruction, and I want to protect you from it. So God gives the warning, and he, in fact, here warns Cain that Cain must rule over sin. God knows all things, right? This is what we believe. God knows all things. So God knows what Cain is planning in his heart. Um, God already knows what Cain is planning to do. But he encourages him, hey, rule over that. Go beyond that. God knows the things that we desire in our heart that um, take us away from him. And he's saying, hey, you can rule over this. You can keep going. God wouldn't have told Cain to master it if he hadn't given him the ability to do it. You get that? God wouldn't have told him that you can master it if he didn't have the ability to do it. Okay, so this portion really reminds me of the Apostle Paul. And this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Um, If you want to turn with me to Romans chapter 7, I'm going to start in verse 14. Um, 
Yeah, I'm not going to, I'll read starting from 21 in a second. But in this verse, um, the Apostle Paul is talking about his struggle with sin. Paul says, like, he wants to do good, but he finds himself doing evil. So reading in verse 21 to 24, it says, So I find it to be a law um, that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me a captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul very clearly says it. Hey, I want to do good, but evil is so close. Evil is trying to get me. Paul wants to act in accordance with God's good and perfect will, but he's at war with the evil that's inside of himself. I think we can all relate to this struggle. At least I know I can. When temptation comes, uh, when the temptation to do evil comes, it begins to tear at me and claw at me. But when we have the choice to do good, evil is right there waiting for us. Um, kind of an easier example for you is yesterday was my day to take out the trash at the office. We all rotate. Everyone gets a chance to do it. And I was looking forward to going to my friend's house after work. And so, you know, time hit. I collected the trash. I was like, bye, everyone. And I was out. And I put the stuff on the side of the road, um, like in the place where it goes. And I look, and there's that food trash can. And I was like, oh, man. I forgot to get the food trash on my way out because it's in the freezer. I was like, ah. So, like, I knew what was right would would be to go back up, get the food trash, and come out, right? And I was like, I could just leave it. And immediately I was like, you know what's right. You should do it. (laughs) So I went, right? You know, I'm going to preach on this tonight. should do it. So I... (laughs) I didn't think that would be that funny. All right. (laughs) Wow. Okay, so anyway, I did go back up in the office. And I took the food trash out. And this might just be a light example. You know, it's, it's funny. You know, you forgot to take the food trash. You went up and got it. What did it take? Two minutes? Like, it's not that hard. Um, but sometimes it's things that are bigger than that. You see the lady who drops her stuff, and you could be like, oh, I don't see that. Or you could do the right thing and, and bend down and help. You know, you can see the elderly lady, like, struggling on the subway while you're sitting in your oh-so-nice seat that you waited forever for. But you could get up. You know? It might even be like something small, like, oh, if I just tell a quick lie to this person, then I'm going to be out of this and I won't have to do this. Um, and it's just like, oh, it's just small. Um, or we could do something wrong. and we can, we can get forgiveness later. There's no problem. It's just like that little step that Satan's like, like it's like cat and mouse. He's like, come on, come on, it's going to be good. But the problem is, is as soon as you fall into it, do you know what Satan does? He goes, how dare you? How could you have done that? Satan turns it right back on you immediately. He is ready to get you. He wants to get you, and he's waging war against you. But there's good news. There is good news. Otherwise, this sermon would be extremely scary. (laughs) Paul continues and gives us the answer to his struggle. He says in verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I don't think you heard what he said. He said, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
that is how we are going to overcome this. How are we going to overcome the evil that is crouching, that's waiting to come for us, that's waiting to get all that we are? Because Christ can come and help us to overcome it. Sin may be trying to get us, but we are already spoken for. We are already spoken for. The Gospel of John says in chapter 1 that when the light shines in the darkness, the darkness cannot overcome it or cannot rule over it. You know, Cain was told, sin is waiting, but you must rule over it. And the, um, and the disciple John says, hey, light is what rules over the darkness. Where there's light, there is no darkness. This is kind of just a basic logical statement. If there's light, there is no darkness. But when I think about it, and maybe this is just how my mind works, I think about a sunny day at a park, and I'm like, it's very bright. There is no darkness, but there's still shade. There's still places that you can go where you can sit and be in this kind of darkness. Um, and is that a case where darkness has overcome light? No, because when there's, dark, when there's light, there can't be darkness. So what's going on? And I see this at work, is that there is something that's creating that darkness, There's something that's been put up, in this case a tree, that's preventing the light from coming all the way in. There's something that's there that's preventing the light. And um, if we chose to make it just completely sunny, we could go and get rid of all of the trees, right? And then it would be totally sunny. Um, If there wasn't something blocking the light, there couldn't be any shade. Um, For there to be darkness, there must be something hindering it. Jesus says in John chapter 8 that he is the light of the world. Anyone who's in him will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If you have Jesus, there's nothing that evil can do to overtake you. Sin may desire you, but you are able to rule over it. So how do we rule over the darkness? We must allow the light of the world to light up our lives. He is good and strong and casts out darkness. His, his light is pervasive. It will fill all areas of our lives. But sometimes we try to keep something hidden. Sometimes we try to grow that tree. We try to say, this is my little box of things that aren't in the light, and I'm just going to hold on to them. Because I know his light is strong and good, but I need, I need to have my own comforts too. I need to have these little things for myself. And that's evil trying to come in. We hide aspects of our lives as if they're trees providing shade. It's a place that we think is going to be comfortable, something um, that we're not ready to give up, a place um, where we can keep away from God. But it's in those places where darkness is hiding. It's in those places where evil is crouching and ready to get you. We must, hear me, we must expose those places to the light of God so that he can remove the darkness. When we expose those areas to him, he will shine his light in, and sin will not be able to get you. The darkness will try to allure us with thoughts of comfort, thoughts of self-worth, pride, but these are traps. True comfort comes from being in the light. We must surrender all areas of ourselves to the light of God. Each new level of surrender brings a greater revelation of God and a greater revelation of who you are. You're not created so that you can surrender, so that you can serve, or to do, or to make, or to achieve. That's not why you were created. You were created so that God can be pleased with you. You were created so that his light can come in and fill your life, 
You were created so that you can know him and know his joy more. You are already acceptable because he's chosen to accept you. So the things that you're trying to hide don't have to stay hidden because he knows what it is. When you try to hold yourself back from God, you're saying that your plan is a little bit better. You're saying, God, I know that you're, I know you're good. I know that you do all these amazing things. But my plan, it's okay, I got it. But when we imitate something, it's ultimately still flawed. Um, we must allow God to recreate us so that we function in the good and perfect way that he designed for us to function. We were created in his perfect image. We were created to reflect his glory in all things. But the fall happened, and we became less than perfect, less than who we were created to be, less than who we were designed to be. But God didn't say, hey, you messed up, and I'm going to leave you there. He loves us. He created us in his image. He accepts us. He wants us to know his acceptance. So he said, I will give you light that will cast out that darkness. I will send Christ, and he will provide what you need for you. We don't need to have any fear of revealing our imperfections to God or to the people that God gives us, like your pastors or CG or Familia. Um, They love you. Um, My youth pastor used to say this. He used to say, the face that love makes when it meets imperfection is grace. The face that love makes when it meets imperfection is grace. None of us are perfect. But when we can have the love of God flowing through us, there is grace that becomes extended out to us. God is looking to extend grace to you and grace to the areas of your lives that you've been hiding. You're already accepted by him. He already cares for you. If he didn't, he wouldn't have sent Christ for us. But he did. He already loves us. Don't let yourself be deceived into hiding away, into keeping part of yourself hidden, into holding back something because you think that you can handle it. Because God already knows what it is. And he says, hey, let me in. Let me shine my soothing light, which brings gentle warmth, and bring that out of you. You are accepted, and you deserve to have the light of life shine into you. You can walk in the light, fully accepted by God, fully knowing that he loves you. Um, Let's pray together. Yeah, God, thank you so much for accepting us. Help us to bring the first fruits of our offering that we've been holding back in our lives. Reveal to us, Father, areas that we've been keeping hidden, areas where we fear showing to others because we fear that we won't be accepted. God, your acceptance has already been given to us. You already love us. You already know us and care for us. Father, we ask that you help us to live in your light, to live in the light of Christ that reveals and soothes. God, thank you for the cross and thank you for Jesus that he made it possible for us to be reconciled to you, to come back to you and to love you, Father. We love you for who you are for the things that you've done for us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.